This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Welcome to Wizarding World Lorecast, where we're going to take a deep dive into the world and lore of the Harry Potter universe, such as the creatures, the people, and yes, even the magic. Welcome everyone to the Wizarding World Lorecast. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Ben of Tamaria, and alongside me I have... Hey guys, Captain Shevchenko here. Who's drinking out of her own cauldron. <laughs> I'm drinking um, mushroom nighttime drink. Is that a Hogwarts of, emblem on it? Okay, that's cool. Out of a Hogwarts... Co- uh, it was appropriate for tonight, you know? <sighs> that's awesome. I don't have anything that cool. I might have a butterbeer mug somewhere <clears throat> in my expen- expansive collection of mugs. But anyway, you're not here to hear about us talking about mugs. Uh, we are going into our first episode with the lore cast where we are going to dive into magic as our first episode and the history behind magic. Um first couple episodes we're going to go deep diving into the nature the spells and just the general idea of how magic works in the wizarding world and with that we're going to start with the nature which is so the basic concept of magic is fairly simple even a two-year-old wizard could do some sort of magic but inherent power and potential for misuse were great um so just like how most uh, wizards or even muggle-born or wizards who are born in a muggle family tend to show magical abilities at a young age. We get this with Harry and uh, like in the Sorcerer's Stone book, you do and we do get a glimpse of it in the film that Harry does have magical potential before he even is a uh, well aware that he's actually a wizard so for this reason witches and wizards were sent to schools of magic such as hogwarts uh to refine their skills um they learned a variety of magical specialties general theories and history of magics in their world so just like we see in the films and the books harry goes to hogwarts to learn about magic woohoo and yes, there are other schools besides Hogwarts. What about people who can't use magic? Well, you don't go to Hogwarts if you can't use magic. <laughs> now, if you have, for instance, if you are parents of a wizard or witch, uh, you do keep your knowledge of magic, uh, even though you can't use it. Like, for instance, Hermione's parents... They are well aware of the magical world and all of its aspects because we even see them uh, in Flourish and Blots in Chamber of Secrets where we do see them in the film and I believe they are in the book uh, talking to the Weasleys. So there are exceptions to Muggles being aware of magic and we do see it in Fantastic Beasts with... um, I can't remember his name on the top of my head. But he's the comedy relief in the Fantastic Beast films with Newt. It's Newt's best friend. 
So, uh, magic un- it was unable to perform by non-magic people or muggles, um, which was that was separate in the muggle world and the wizard world as a substitute for magic. Muggles use technology, which obviously that's what we use in today-to-day society. You see this highly referenced in the films where uh, wizards and witches that are not from the um, from the muggle world have no idea what the heck technology is. Good example is the Weasleys. Like, um, can't remember the father's name. The father of the Weasleys. Cannot his remember his name on the top of my head. It's terrible. Um, but he constantly asks Harry for um, muggle info because he researches muggles and thinks they're fascinating. Even with, um, I'm currently actually uh, rereading Sorcerer's Stone. Ron, uh, when they're on the train to Hogwarts, Ron asks Harry a bunch of questions about the Muggle world. He's like, what are Muggles like? They're terrible people. Well, my aunt, uncle, and my cousin are terrible people, but generally everybody's pretty nice. So, yeah, both muggles and wizards viewed their choice of tools completely and utterly logical and ordinary, although each other would find each other's tools fascinating or even mysterious, which we see. Uh, There's also uh, people or beings called squeebs who are unable to perform magic but were uh, in a unique position as they were born in the wizarding families, which they gave them options to choose between living in the wizarding world or a second-class citizen or living in the muggle world while concealing everything they knew about magic. So, a good example of a squeeb, we do see um, Mrs. Uh, Figs. Yeah, Mrs. Figs. Uh, from We see her in the film Order of the Phoenix, and she's in a few of the books. She's actually a squeeb. She's non-magic, but she had, she was born of a magical family. And even Mr. Filch... We all know that creepy janitor's caretaker of Hogwarts is also creepy. He can't use magic, but yet he lives in the wizard world because he was born of a magical family. And funny enough, rewatching the films, if you watch the extended edition of Chamber of Secrets, uh, the very beginning where Ron and Harry are being uh, interrogated basically by Snape and going to like quote-unquote expelled uh felch uh drops a letter and if you uh, harry picks it up and if you pause it and read it it says beginning uh guide to using magic the guy's in his like 50s yeah he did not age well at all no not at all. I think he's like in his 50s. He's uh, he's up there in age. And then uh, as per the institutional uh, salute of wizarding society, uh, secrecy, wizarding witches were constantly hide their magic abilities from the muggle world, unless most muggles were unaware of that magic existed. Go figure. So then we get to uh, the transmission of magic. Inhumans' ability to perform magic, or lack thereof, uh, was an un- inborn uh, attribute. The former was the norm of the children of magical couples, and rare in those of muggles. So, people who could use magic, more likely, 
all their children will be able to use magic. Whereas muggles, it's more of a rarity, such as Hermione, or even actually um, Lily Potter, who is Harry's mother. She was also muggle-born. Uh, with the wizarding gene found in witch and wizards was uh, dominant, while non-magical genes found in muggles and squeebs were recessive. Um, so there is some science behind it in gene <clears throat> theory and all that fun stuff with genetics. So weirdly enough, I, I used to breed ball pythons and it's very, very much akin to dominant, recessive, co-dominant traits. I'm seeing the wizarding gene as like a incomplete dominant where it's typically passed down genetically but there are exceptions very rarely yeah pretty much so with uh with the users of magic uh those unable to do magic who were born magical parents were known as squeebs and then when non-magical gene resurfaces, causing the offspring to therefore be non-magical, a witch or wizard born to muggle parents were known as muggle-born. Hence, Lily Potter and Hermione Granger. Um, this was when a muggle family was descended from a squeeb, and the wizarding genes resurfaced many generations later. Muggle-borns were far more common than squeebs, which might be a feature of the desperate sizes of the muggles and wizarding populations so it kind of makes sense now knowing how lily and uh hermione are wizards or witches in their families when no one else has been magical attuned it's because at some point they actually somewhere in their family tree there was a squeeb who was born of a magical family but couldn't use magic. And then decided to probably live in the human world and mm -hmm. lay down roots and have a family. Right. Exactly. Um, other intelligent magical beings in the wizarding world, such as Vela's goblins and house elves, could perform their own brand of magic, distinctly different from the human magic. Other magical creatures might possess their own forms of rudimentary magic, including fairies. So, which we do see in the films and we do um, read it in the books. Obviously, house elves have their own form of magic. Dobby has his own form of magic. Obviously, goblins do, which we do see in um, Sorcerer's Stone. We even see it in the Deathly Hollows, And we will see it in the upcoming game, Hogwarts Legacy, because you fight goblins. Which, that's going to be interesting on itself. Yeah, I can't wait for that game to come out. I'm really excited about it. Um, it's kind of been big talk. It's all most of my friend group can talk about. The ones that are in gaming at any rate. Yeah, I need that game now. And I, I, I need it now. I keep seeing... I, I'm on TikTok all the time. And all like it's always on my For You page right when I open the freaking app and say here's like some stuff you can do in hogwarts legacy and it's like that's great i already know this stop giving me hype <laughs> it's like every time i see it i'm just waiting for it to say is launched or is out is is available in stores now and right i want to rush out and go get it because i'm i'm excited for it yeah 
But now we get to the history of magic. So this is the big bulk of the, this episode. So in ancient cultures, uh, like the human race itself, magic was supposed to be origi- uh, originated in Africa. Uh, wizards and witches were known in a society at large and were held in awe and high esteem due to the unique powers. Ancient Egyptian wizards placed curses on uh, to protect their tombs from plunderers. So... They're giving a magical explanation for actual things that kind of occurred in history. Yes, exactly. And I mean, we kind of, we do see uh, the Weasleys do go to Egypt in Prisoner of Azkaban. Although they mentioned they went to Egypt. So it kind of ties into where, hey, there's, there's a lot of more ancient stuff in this, all this. But yeah, they're tying it to like, real history our own history and giving it more of a supernatural twist to it or like some explanation on why things happen in ancient india wizard indian wizards created the snake summons summon spell the wand was invented in europe during the bc area dark magic was practiced and uh invented in ancient greece with herpo the fool being infamous for pioneering a multitude of forbidden practices, including the creation of the first known basilisk, uh, as well as the first known horcrux. Uh, I've got a soft spot for the basilisk. Um, I actually because it's a snake. <laughs> it is not a snake. Take that back. It is a lizard, specifically a legless lizard, which is indigenous True. to my home state of Florida. And I happen to own one. And you own visualize a this. Yes, I own a basilisk. His name is Thane. Uh, as in Creos. <laughs> uh, but he's he's dope. He has a lizard face and ear holes, which in the movie at least, uh, the basilisk that they had there was more or less just a legless lizard because it definitely had ear holes and it had like, some frilly stuff going on, but ultimately True. it's what it is. Uh, if you've ever had one of those wooden snake toys, you know, the ones that like kind of move their mm-hmm. spine when you wiggle them, that is exactly what he feels like, except this one has a mouth and bites. Yeah. I mean, we will go into basilisks in a later episode. That is for sure. We will totally talk about basilisks. Um, maybe I can't, maybe we'll record it video and uh i'll bring my real life basilisk <laughs> oh god that's gonna be terrifying um anyway oh, he's wonderful he just, just don't look in the eye that's all you need to do just don't look <laughs> into an eye. you will be you will Glass either lizards. yeah uh so now we get to 10,000 bc or ad so it jumps quite a bit in time that we know of that we have documentation of uh pre-crusades yes pre-crusades uh, by the, the 10th century in Europe, non-magical people slowly become more wary witches and wizards due to their unique gift. Since in the growing distrust, uh, four of the greatest British w- uh, witches and wizards of the age founded Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Witchery in Scotland. Which we all know it's Godric Gryffindor, Helga Hufflepuff, um, Salazar Slytherin, and... Oh, God. 
Ravenclaw. I can't remember her first name. It's Rowena, right? Rowena. I believe so. I could. We could be wrong. Don't quote us. Um, <laughs> we'll get more into Hogwarts history later. To where we will go more into that. Um, one of the founders, Salazar Slytherin, built the Chamber of Secrets after the belief of only pure blood wizards and witches should be allowed into Hogwarts uh, was dismissed. While the idea considered radical by the time. Um, the separation of the two cultures continued and grew over the next 700 years. Which we all know what the Chamber of Secrets is because there's a whole book based on <laughs> Chamber of Secrets and a film. So, yeah. Uh, now we get uh, to the 11th and 13th century. Uh, during this time, the magical population was governed by the Wizards Council, sometimes referred as the Warlocks Council. Uh, as the relationship with muggles strained, wizard witches and wizards began to fraternize with their own kin and grow closer to each other. And then also at this time, the Triwizard Tournament in Quidditch became national international events. Quidditch became such a large huge part of wizarding culture that Quidditch World Cup was frequently held and attended by thousands. And it's interesting. I did not know going into this, uh, the Triwizard Cup is that old. That is insane. And it's national and international. So the Triwizard Tournament is not everywhere. just England and Scotland and where Hogwarts is. It's everywhere, including the U.S. And yes, there is a magical school in America. We found that out in Fantastic Beasts and other sources. But... At this point, is the, uh, is the acceptance policy that you're, um, I can't think about it. I can't think of the word right now. I, I'm completely brain dead. Um, pass, keep going. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> we'll get back to that. Um, but before we go more into the history of magic, let's take our mid-break and go over all of our uh, stuff that's not to do with the lore cast. That sounds awesome, by the way. It's basically supposed to be Death Eaters, and it's epic. Um, so now we're in the middle of the show. Uh, where we're, This is where we will shout out our reviews that we get. If you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we will read it out loud on the show. Uh, also, give us a rating on Spotify. That will definitely help us grow as a show. And if any if anybody wants to like suggest a topic you can email us at wizardworldlorecast at gmail.com as well shoot us an email or even contact us and uh post something in our discord on the robots radio discord which will be a link on the show notes uh at the bottom of each episode where you can join the discord if you're not part already part of the discord we have a wizard lorecast channel that you can uh Post whatever you in there. Um, if you want to tag us, we're on there. Ben and Tamaria, uh, Captain Chenko. Uh, and that that's all I really have for the mid-break, unless you have something, Captain. Um, if you like what you're hearing here, both of us are affiliated with other shows, so you can go ahead and plug those now if you want. That um, is true. 
I'm one half of the MCU lore cast. I do that show with my good buddy Psych88, and we talk about everything and anything to do with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We talk fight scenes, characters, all that jazz, and we have a great time. Yeah, and I am one half of the Holocron Histories Star Wars Canon vs. Legends podcast with my co-host Teacup from the Dragon Age and Assassin's Creed lore cast, and soon to be Inheritance page by page, which they are going to go... He's going to... Him and his uh, co-host Teacup are going to go page by page of the Aragon books, uh, which is going to be really cool, which, mind you all, I did not know there was another name for the Aragon books. It's apparently called Inheritance. Cool. But uh, we go deep dive into all things Star Wars with the lore, with the canon versus the legends. So pre-Disney and um, post-Disney. So lots of fun. Uh, You can find us, both our shows, on the Robots Radio Discord as well on those. And yeah, I say uh, we get back into more lore of magic. Woohoo, let's go. And I love that sound too. I love the spells. So now we talked about the 11th and 13th century. Now we go into the 14th century. So paranormal of wizard kind slowly broke into outright malice and witch hunts began emergence throughout Europe. While they were afraid of magic, muggles were not very good at recognizing it, allowing many wizards to escape uh, escape witch burnings uh, unharmed with the use of flame freezing charm. So this, a.k.a. is the witch hunts throughout Europe and all that fun stuff. And basically Salem, too. Uh, or will translate to Salem. So, yeah, that that happens. Yeah, at least they're, the, you know, the humans were not so good at spotting actual magic. True. And they also had a charm to not burn which is also good. Yeah. Uh, so eccentric witch uh, Wendelin the Weird, who enjoyed the sensation of the charm, allowed herself to be burnt at the stake at least 47 times in various disguises <laughs> within the wizarding world her itself, growing uh, dis- demonstration against other magical beings such as horse, as house elves and goblins began to emerge. Okay. 47 times. That seems a little bit excessive, but you know what? Yeah. That's I mean, a brand that is a brand of chaos that I can get behind. <laughs> and if someone's introduced to me as Wendelin the Weird, I'm gonna go over there and find out why. Yeah. Why That's why stuff. why are you named why are you so named the Weird? Can you explain weird? that to me? Um <laughs> why why did you get nailed with that title? Because I need to know the backstory of this. That sounds like a great time. I don't know about 47 times. You know, like, two, three times, fine. Four or five times, you're really, really, really trying to sell it. But 47... You're way out there. (laughs) So now we get to the 15th century. With the coming of the Renaissance, uh, which is probably one of my favorite time periods. Uh, and the increasing resilience amongst 
Among muggles and scientific reasoning, the divide between the wizarding and muggle worlds grew ever wider. Each culture went to create their with own separate civilization, including social structures, economies, governments, etc. I mean, the Renaissance is really where human society exploded with creativity, inventions, um, and as it says, like, structures as a whole as a society economies it just the renaissance the 15th century is where everything in human society just exploded and expanded and same as the western world they their culture exploded during the same time too uh each borrowed little from each other uh, as the years went on but it became apparent that the muggles uh, must be disassociated from their magical kin for their own good well, you'll see here in a minute. Uh, of the remaining muggles that acknowledge the magical neighbors, some continue to persecute them. Others try to exploit their magical powers for their own gain and quick fixes to their problems. Uh, one each example of that of the Royal Court of Britain, which continued to host wizards such as Nicholas de Memsley Porpington. That's a mouthful. Interesting name, but yeah, so I can see why the wizarding world is like kind of slowly separating themselves from the muggles. It's because the muggle world is trying to exploit the wizards because of their powers, because of what they can do, which kind of makes sense. It's so much easier to just use magic to fix everything than it is to think of something Correct. to fix your own situation. Correct. And in the best interest of humanity, the wizards kind of had to hold themselves back from society and kind of say, no, we're not here to hold your hand and fix all your problems. That's on you. <laughs> yep. Pretty much. <laughs> it's um, the cold hard truth. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, also in the 15th century, we get the Beetle and the Bar uh, Beetle the Bard uh, wrote his tales to preach a message of tolerance towards Muggles, but his message was ignored at the time as the division between Muggles and Wizards grew. With the growing intolerance of Muggles, in Wizarding society came a growing favor among some of the purity of blood, turning Salazar, Salazar Slytherin's beliefs uh, mainstream. So... And his name's always a tongue twister because the S's. Uh, at the end of the 1400s, uh, Daisy Dodderidge uh, constructed the Leaky Cauldron Pub among a country path outside London as a portal between the Wizarding and Muggle worlds. So, thanks to uh, all the discrimination between the two Salazar Silverand became popular amongst purebloods <clears throat> Alfoys <clears throat> <laughs> yeah so now we jump to the 17th and 19th century so another big th uh, two to three hundred year time uh, time jump during these years the goblin rebellions broke out during all over Britain and perhaps not Condensely, um St. Mungo's Hospital of Magical Mundanes and Injuries was established. 
Muggle persecution reached an all-time high, and it was a very dark time for the magical community. Now, mind you the all... Goblin Rebellions. Goblin Rebellions. For one, we will see some of this in Hogwarts Legacy, because Hogwarts Legacy is in the 1800s, and the Goblin Rebellions are still going on during this time. As far as what we see and what happens in that story, we are yet to see. But we will get more info that in the game. Which I'm super excited for that. So in 1689, the governments of the Wizarding World met to consider solutions to the crisis and draft the International Salute of Wizards of Secrecy, which called for a wizard kind to go into hiding to avoid uh, persecution, the infamous Salem Witch Trials in 1692, only further to exact uh, exact exact ex words exacerbate yes uh the need uh for separation and the law was officially established that same year so thanks to the salmon witch trials all wizards and witches went into hiding and sworn to secrecy not to reveal themselves to muggles which makes perfect sense because yeah, no one wants to the, be burned um, at the stake yeah i except except for um the weird, yeah. She's a completely whole Wendelin different story. Wendell and the weird. She's a she, whole she separate showed case. Up in, if she was still alive, she'd have shown up in Salem. Like, all Let's right, do it. I'm ready to get burned <laughs> at the stake again. Let's do this. Uh, Let's with, make it 48. Oh, God. Uh, with the separation of the two worlds now put into effect, all the wizard kind went into hiding for good, forming their own isolated communities. In Britain, wizarding families began to cluster around small towns up and down the country where they found relative safety and anomaly in numbers. The responsibility of the various wizarding governments in each country was laid out for maintaining the secrecy and everything magical from Quidditch games to dragons. Which is very impressive, might I add. Like... It's so impressive over all these centuries that people, like, yes, there's de depictions and drawings of dragons to, in, like, ancient documents and everything. But, like, in modern day, by this time, no one's seen a dragon. and But they're all over where, everywhere in the wizarding world because they're a prominent creature is insane. That's a little suspicious. Right. Um, the magical governments in each country suppress all exposure of anything magical to muggles. As decades passed without incident, magic slowly faded into obscurity and became the stuff of fairy tales and legend from non-magical people, with the few claims of these beliefs being seen as mad. Yeah. The crazy ones always know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, by the 19th century, as, as giants were facing an increasingly limited amount of space to live in, a war broke out amongst themselves, bringing their species to the brink of extinction. In 1811, Gorgon Stump uh, reformed the British Ministry of Magic. In 1881, Albus Dumbledore was born. We're jumping up. Oh, yes. And so... Dumbledore was born in 1881, meaning he will not be in Hogwarts Legacy because it's in the 1800s. 
So, sorry everybody who's uh, wanting to see familiar faces, but the only familiar face you're pretty much going to get are going to be some of the Hogwarts ghosts. Hmm. That's it. Sorry. It'll be kind of nice, though, because I feel like... It's a good games, refresh. I feel like games based in established universes need to make their own stories for themselves. Mm. Otherwise, they're kind of trapped within whatever canon was set Prior. for... Yeah. Yeah, for the source material. Mm -hmm. If you're doing an adjacent storyline, you have to stick within the parameters of the universe, but you don't necessarily have to play by the rules of the canon of any direct storyline. Correct. Which is really, really then, cool. And that's what I think, like, Fantastic Beast did very well with, with the story of that, where... It was prior before everything Harry Potter, before mm -hmm. his time, so it was all new. Hogwarts Legacy is going to continue that trend to where it's in set in the 1800s, where all the stuff we see and all the stuff we're going to experience is completely new material. Yes, they're going to hint some stuff, obviously, on you know, the stuff we're going to, that we're going over, but we're going to get a lot more in-depth with it. And they can make it their own and dive any way they want into it, which is going to be great. I'm really excited about the RPG element and how you mm -hmm. can go either path that you choose. Right. You could go keep staying out as, as a good guy or you can... Or not. <laughs> or you can go down as a dark wizard and use the forbidden curses because you totally can do that in the game. And yeah. It's but... going to be one I'll have to revisit more than once. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, God, yes. Um, so now we get to the 20th century and up to the present. So, prejudice against muggles and the uh, ideas of pure blood supremacy was still very strong. <clears throat> Mouth voice. Uh, the sentiments were <laughs> taken advantage by the notorious dark wizard uh, Gellerit Gwendawald as the as he tried to establish a system that would enslave muggles and to fear in the next world or uh, world war. And he was defeated in 1945 by Albus Dumbledore in a legendary duel. Now, might I add? We don't see this duel yet. We know of it. We know he defeated him in 1945. But they have yet to show it on film. Because Secrets of Dumbledore, the last Fantastic Beast film. Yes, uh, Dumbledore fought Gwendawald. Yes, but he did not defeat him. Gwendawald escaped. Spoiler. So we might have... A big old magic fight to get into. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, I do know Warner Brothers did confirm they still have more plans to do more Fantastic Beasts or to continue that story somehow. Uh, at least another, like, film or two to actually finish it out. But, yeah, we have yet to see that. Which is exciting to know. And then we get to Tom Riddle, who would later be known and feared as Lord Voldemort. And the last living descendant of Salazar Slytherin uh, made two attempts to take over control of the Wizarding World in Britain. His first attempt in the 1970s was cut short on the October 31st, 1981, failing to curse that he had cast on Harry Potter, which rebounded upon himself. Which, obviously, we see if you've seen the Harry Potter films. You all know about that. He tried to kill Harry. Uh, Harry had a spell placed on him by his mother. And the killing curse rebounded off of him and hit Voldemort instead and basically draining all his power. 
so then we have the giants, most whom fought Voldemort, retreated to northern Europe. However, 13 years later, Voldemort rised again on June 24th, 1994. Ooh. Two days before I was born. Hmm. Oh, no. As he survived thanks to his horcruxes, he managed to take control of the British Ministry of Magic and Hogwarts on August 1st, 1997. But on May 2nd, 1998, after his horcruxes were all destroyed... He is ultimately defeated once again by having a curse that he cast towards Harry Potter being rebounded upon himself again. And if anybody knows the story, the whole point of it is Voldemort thought he had the Elder Wand in his possession and control. Well, in reality, the Elder Wand was actually Harry's by uh, rights of how the wand works. So the wand refused to kill Harry, and his it rebounded. So, magic. Uh, That's right, because I, I remember Harry disarms Draco. Correct. Who disarmed Dumbledore. Correct. So now the Elder Wand falls to Harry, but Draco ends up giving it to Voldemort, and it... Correct. And like Voldemort said, it thought, refuses to. Yes. Yep. And then some Muggles who are aware of the Wizarding World, such as the Dursleys and the Barboon family, uh, very much hated and feared magic and wizard kind. Once it was revealed that Harry Potter was a wizard, uh, use of the word magic was forbidden at <laughs> Four Privet Drive, and the merest mention of it was enough to send Vermin and Pertuna Dursley into fits of rage and panic. But they're the Dursleys, so that makes perfect sense for them because they're just horrible people. <laughs> they're written as make family bad. Pretty much. That yeah, that's that's very much the case there. But that's what we have for the history of magic for this episode. The next episode, which is I'm what I'm really super excited to go into magic, we are going to go into specifically spells and how spells are affected with magic. That's really cool. I like it. I'm excited to hear what you have to say about that and how it maybe differs from magic in other universes as well. Correct. Um, yeah. Because I think one of the unique things about Harry Potter is that, you know, books about magic and spells and you know even like schools or academies or special whatever for people with special talents it's not a new thing for media mm -hmm. and yet with harry potter it took those very known elements and created something very different yeah oh yeah it, it created something unique different um when i was doing the research on the magic um I didn't realize there was, like, multiple, like, I knew there's multiple types of magic, but I didn't know how many. And how many there are is, like, insane. I think there's, like, eight different types, specifically, and then they have their own sub-genres into those types, and it's it's insane. Now, we're going to just go over the, the, the general of it in the next episode, but... Yeah, it's insane how much there is. And it's crazy how it's grown through the years, too, because 
I think even when books were published, maybe there was an idea of the whole universe because I, I know that JK had said at one point, like she knew how the book was or how the story was going to progress mm-hmm. when she wrote the first, when she wrote the first book. I, re- I, I remember watching the documentary with her. She like knew how, when she started writing the book, writing like philosopher's stone or sorcerer's stone for the English uh, for America. Um, she knew exactly how it was going to end. She knew exactly how it was going to end. And like the journey from Sorcerer's Stone all the way to Deathly Hollows was like as time is going on and filling those gaps in. But yeah, like no no one knew like her books were going to explode like it is to like we have a Harry what, September 1st is Return to Hogwarts Day. We have a national like international holiday specifically for Harry Potter. It's like I didn't know about it until like this past year because um, I we don't really celebrate it here in the U.S. But in the U.K., it is huge where people will go to King's Cross Station and they have a specific special event where the Hogwarts Express leaves at 11 o'clock on September 1st. That's awesome. And I, I like, bet that I bet that the energy amazing. I bet the energy at King's Cross Station on that day is the most crazy experience you could ever have as a fan of anything and i think even as someone who's maybe not even interested in harry potter how excited and hyped people are for it just because it's an experience to have Uh, i a couple of summers ago i say a couple i I was 18 and just graduated high school uh, got to go to europe for a couple of days And one of the things we did right when we landed in London was we went to King Cross Station. Mm -hmm. And there was the kind of like hokey photo op with the caged owl and the cart going into the wall at, you know, at the platform. And and there's a, you know, gift shop and everything. But it was cool just to go and to see the actual spot. Uh, And luckily, too, I ended up getting to go to the Harry Potter world in London. Oh, nice. And (laughs) there's a really funny story I could tell about getting lost from my tour group. Um, (laughs) I'm South Korean. And I get separated from my tour group. And I'm kind of like looking around, trying to find them. And I get waved over by one of the staff there. And they like they put me with a group that they think is mine and like I'm surrounded by Chinese people. Oh God, no. And I I just looked at them and I said, I'm English. I'm with the American group. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And then they like usher me back to where they know my group is. I get a free butterbeer as I go. They're like, we are, we're like genuinely so, so (laughs) sorry. Please forgive us. I'm like, no, I don't think anything of it. I'm like, you guys are just trying to do your jobs. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's fine. I got harmlessly profiled and I got a chuckle out of it. Uh, but, oh, my God, the the whole experience there was just incredible. Um, they have like a, I forget what the model scale is, but a scaled down full model of Hogwarts in the surrounding forest made out of paper mache. Oh, that's cool. And there's like this catwalk platform that goes all the way around it. So you can like view the whole school 360. And then um, they have 
props and set pieces and costumes. They have this crazy huge gift shop that was just incredible. I spent way too much money. <laughs> As you should. <laughs> um, I spent adult money that I didn't have because I was 18 and stupid, but I had a great time. And it's just incredible. And if anyone ever, ever, ever has the chance as a Harry Potter fan to go to the Harry Potter world in London, do it. It's well worth the admission and the waits and the lines and everything. Super cool. You get to walk through the grand hall, like dining hall, where all the big things, because they had to literally like at that soundstage, they had to tile all of that so that the acoustic sounded right for people walking on stone because you can't replicate that in studio. Um, so it's kind of a permanent fixture now. That's awesome though. That's But it. you get to walk through there and it's really cool. Like they give you this intro and then the doors open into the dining hall. Super cool. I 100% recommend it. And definitely get the butterbeer there because... Oh my god, incredible. Way better than the crap you can buy at the grocery store in the bottle, and way better than you can get at Universal. Now you're all making me want to go to London, and I don't have the money to go to London right now. <laughs> so, no. um... Save your pennies! <laughs> yeah, well, I already have a trip going down to the Wizarding World next year for my vacation so maybe the following year i might go who knows one of these days I'll, I'll go to london or go to the uk i do want to do that at some point i really want to go to um poland at some point as well Ooh, poland would be fun i'm a huge witcher fan by my name so i have to go to poland the birthplace of the witcher mm. and one of their only known really big things is witcher so and they heavily, heavily advertise that. But anyway, um, I'm a fan. Hey, Witcher, uh, or Witcher uh, merch everywhere. In I'm sure in like the gifty shops. And oh, stuff. I'm sure there is. And like, I'll take some bootleg Witcher stuff for cheap. <laughs> Absolutely. I already spent enough as is on official merch. So anyway. Um, yeah, that's all we got for this episode. Stay tuned for the next episode, which will be um, these episode drops every Friday um, going forward. And at some point, we probably will start doing live streams at some point. That is to be determined and to be announced. I don't know when we're going to start doing that yet, but we will at some point. It'll so. be exciting. I'm looking forward to talking to some people about this. Right. But yeah, join the Discord on Robots Radio. Tag us in uh, what you have to say about the podcast. We're super excited to start with this and talk about Harry Potter and the Wizarding World with everybody. And we will see you all next week. Bye, everyone. And remember, Wands chooses the witch and the wizards. Thank you for listening to Wizarding World Lorecast. You can find us on the Robots Radio Discord at robotsradio.net. You can follow us on Twitter at www.lorecast. And you can email us at wizardworldlorecast at gmail.com. And if you want to find more of us, you can follow me on the Holocron Histories podcast with my co-host Teacup to where we take a deep dive into the Star Wars lore. Or you can follow Captain Shanko 
with Psych 88 on the MCU Lorecast, where they take a deep dive into all things Marvel.